Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show with your host, Jason Brown, where each week Jason teaches you how to get yourself and your clients brutally strong and, of course, well conditioned. What's up, everyone? Jason Brown here for another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned Podcast. This is episode number five. Before we get going today, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that has listened and supported the show thus far, as well as all the great feedback. Really appreciate it. I'm excited to have another platform to deliver great content to you guys, whether you're writing programs for your clients or you're programming for yourself. We're going to delve into some things that are going to hopefully allow you to see programming through a new lens and as a result, write better programs. Today is a topic that is, I would say, very polarizing to say the least. I mean, there's a lot of different information and different things that you'll see when we talk about finishers. And the psychology of finishers is something that I think is probably the most important part of why they were actually utilized. Um, But before we get into the science of utilizing a finisher, I want to talk quickly about my own experience using finishers. Now, back in 2014, 2015, we use finishers all the time at the end of our strength session. And even it's funny, we would do a strength session, a conditioning session, and then a finisher, which is kind of one of the things that I shit on today, because it's like doing trying to cram everything into one session, you know, your skill work, your accessory work, your strength work, your aerobic work, your finisher work, it's it's ridiculous, to say the least, people would have much better results if they just stuck to one thing for one session for 60 minutes, instead of trying to, you know, throw in the kitchen sink, so to speak. Um, but needless to say, we were doing a lot of that stuff. And again, this is before I was really, I would say, an expert at energy systems and programming conditioning within the same week of training concurrently. But, you know, the trade off was always how you felt. And I think it's really funny because now how I feel versus back then, we it's almost like you get accustomed to feeling like shit. My wife actually, it's funny, she told me she never realized that she felt like shit until some years later when we were training. But, but you know, using a conjugate method of training, but performing strength work as its own session, performing conditioning work as its own session, and not trying to, like I said before, do everything all in one session. So the cost of doing that and trying to train multiple modalities within the same session is not only are you not going to get the best results that you could get, but the cost on the nervous system, central fatigue is a real thing. And, and you know, more likely we were probably overtrained. And there are a lot of metrics that we could have looked into that would have given us information on that. But needless to say, the overall gist was we felt like shit on a day-to-day basis and and not even thinking that just how that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to feel like shit if you train hard. And, you know, fast forward present day, I will for, tell you, be the first one to tell you that if you feel like shit, then there's a problem. There's a problem with your training. There's a problem with how often you're performing high intensity work. There's a problem with your recovery. Um, there's a problem with how much stress you have in your life and you're not basically paying attention to that and utilizing things that are going to helpfully down, down regulate your stress response. And by throwing in finishers just haphazardly, like I see a lot of people do, you're just adding more on to the pile. And instead of adding more onto the pile, we should be using finishers in a way that they add to our quality of our training. They, they add to the quality. And then the psychology of using finishers is just giving people kind of a sweat or feeling like they did more work without necessarily having them done a ton more work. We can do and a realistic amount of work within the same session, call it a finisher, make it a little bit more metabolically demanding and have people feel like they did a ton of work. So that's really the difference between performing a finisher that's just kill yourself 
versus a finisher that strategically aligns with the goals of the training session. And if you go on IG and you look in the discover mode, you're going to see reels of guys. I, I, there was a few particular people, I'm not going to say any names, but I was kind of falling into watching some of these finishers because not only are the guys jacked, but every piece that they do at the end of their session is a finisher. And I think, what does that mean when you see that word? People see it and it has an effect on them that they they just assume that they're going to get better results because you have a finisher in there. When lo and behold, you know, we could do the same style of work, not call it anything, just call it, you know, our last exercise or our last two exercises of the day, have it have a little bit more metabolic demand and people had to have the same effect. But I don't think it strikes people the same way because it doesn't have the term on it. So what is a finisher? Well, a finisher is you know exactly what the name explains it's what we are culminating our training session with now on the instagram world of fitness experts uh, and i say that in uh with uh, air quotes you'll see anything as a finisher do a one mile farmer carry that's a finisher do uh you know a 30 minute amrap of burpee box jump air bike sprints and power cleans that's a finisher do a 5k run or, or row that's a finisher and i you know could go on but i digress there's really anything could fall into that box. But the reality is, is that we have something called science <laughs> that dictates how energy sources play out with the length of the session. And if we just do a 30 minute AMRAP to end our maximal strength work, then there's interference that exists. Maximal strength work is anaerobic. 30 minute AMRAP is aerobic. So you have two different energy sources. You're essentially trying to ride a horse with two asses. It doesn't work. So instead of trying to go outside of the bounds of what we're trying to do within that maximal strength session, we could use some anaerobic style finisher work, call it a finisher, call it whatever the hell you want, doesn't matter. But what it is, is you know keeping the energy sources in alignment, relying more on the anaerobic systems versus the aerobic system and getting more bang for the buck. And then on your next day, you could do your aerobic work as its own work. And if you wanna have a finisher, after your aerobic work, go for it. But I, that's not something I would, you know, think that you need to do. Your aerobic work can be its aerobic work. There doesn't need to be a finisher, you know. And again, the psychology of it is certainly a discussion for another day. I think that's how we win over our clients. That's how we don't win over if we don't have some of the stuff in there. So, long story short, I utilize finishers today very differently than I used to, and I use them more actually for psychology, just to make people feel like they did more. When I know in reality, you know adding a little bit of metabolic demand or adding a time or task domain to it, you know, again, makes people feel like they got a good sweat. But the reality is that we still stayed in with the, within the confines of our training session. So in terms of what is a finisher? Well, in my mind, a finisher is something that we culminate our session with, but still stays within the same energy sources. If we're training maximal strength, that's anaerobic, we're going to have some type of anaerobic fi finisher. And then you know, again, if you wanted to use it aerobically, you certainly could. I don't think that that's necessarily something you have to do. Um, but if you have a client that's maybe coming from a CrossFit background and they just feel and they need to feel like they do more, they did more in a training session, then that's something you could do. But over time, people realize that it's all about their results, how they feel, how they look. Are they still seeing metrics, you know, like their resting heart rate go down? Are they still seeing improvements in some of their foundational patterns? If the answer is yes then it doesn't matter what you call it. I don't think at this stage of the game with a lot of the clients I've been working with for a long time really care if I have a finisher or if I don't. They're going to get the same results regardless. Now, throwing something in there from time to time is certainly fun, and that can break up the monotony of just doing a, you know, a regular strength session. So some rules for using finishers in your programming. Number one, I'm a firm believer that you should keep strength work strength work. 
Don't try to do a 5K row at the end of your strength session. Don't do some 20 minute AMRAP at the end of your strength session. I think there are probably people that, that might think, well, what about a CrossFit athlete? Do they need to do that? I would say, no, they don't. They should still separate that stuff. Now, CrossFit athletes are training multiple sessions in a day. Why not separate that? Why not do your aerobic work as its own session? Do your, your anaerobic work as its own session. If you're already doing two or three sessions a day, which is a, a, a topic that I, I probably don't ever really want to get into. I don't think anyone should be training that often. But if that your, is your job, if you're making a paycheck on your fitness and you're a CrossFit athlete, that's a different story. So separating that work is certainly one way you could go about it. But I think you should keep the intent of your session in alignment. So if we're doing back squat clusters, then we do a strength session that's geared towards that. We use our assistance exercises to bring up our back squat. We perform our single leg work to make sure that we're balanced. We use things like direct glute work or the reverse hyper for tractioning and, and strengthening the posterior chain. We perform different planes of movement within our session. We use different types of, of abdominal training, whether it's anti-extension, anti-lateral flexion, anti-rotation, you name it. Those are things that would stay very much in alignment with that type of training session. Now, on the other hand, if we were doing some type of mixed modality or strongman style endurance work, that would be a conditioning session on its own. So we wouldn't necessarily need to do that stuff on the same day as we did the other stuff, make that stuff its own session. And then I think if you want to do too, because I actually, when I put this article out originally, people said, well, you know, I gave them examples um, in terms of how you could do it if you had, if you wanted to, and people said, well, it should, you know, can I do them every day? You can do them every day. Do I recommend you do them every day? No, only because I think that if you want to get the most bang for the buck from what you're trying to do, whether it's strength or hypertrophy, then I think you should just focus on that one thing rather than getting, you know, a burn or getting a sweat. Focus on that one thing for that session and put 100% effort into that rather than trying to do multiple things. Now, there are other things that we can take into consideration here. If we wanted to, if we think about hypertrophy, for example, we've got three key tenets of hypertrophy, mechanical tension, which is our heavier lifting bilateral movements. We've got muscle damage, which is going to come by way of more uh, single joint work, split squats, tricep, direct triceps work in the typical hypertrophy rep range is eight to 15 rep range. And then we've got metabolic stretch, which is more of our pump style work. And that's going to be higher repetitions. And this is one of the things I talk about with the 61225 method, why it's so effective is that it's a good shock method to target a lagging muscle group where we're essentially encompassing all three tenets of hypertrophy in a giant set fashion. So the six would be, you know, if we we're going to focus on a, maybe a quadriceps style session, it would be, let's say a front squat for your six, a rear foot elevated split squat for your 12. And then we could culminate things with maybe a banded leg extension or something that we can do for 25 reps without having to stop. And that would really kind of satisfy all three tenets of hypertrophy. Now for, you know, in a finisher fashion, you could certainly do the same thing and add that to the end of your session as just, again, a, a metabolic stress finisher. So a good example, if we were doing a submaximal effort, lower body session, our main lift is a front squat. Our second lift is an RDL. Our third lift is a single leg variation. Our fourth is maybe uh, some type of pull through or back raise. And then we could culminate things with some type of metabolic stress pump work. You could even go as far as utilizing something like an air bike. Uh, the Rogue Echo bike is, is really gnarly for the quadriceps. You could do some type of intervals on that uh, where, again, you're trying to really go for a pump. And not only that, but you're still going to get some conditioning effect from that from more of an anaerobic perspective. 
So that's one way you could do it. Now, if you wanted to add some additional volume to a specific area of your body, you could do that as well. Let's say maybe you want to add some more glute work. You could add in, you know, a Russian kettlebell swing as your finisher, and you could do an EMOM style. And maybe for a six minute EMOM, every minute on the minute, you perform 15 to 20 swings. So again, metabolic stress, that's what's going to happen. And then in turn, if you want to just call it a finisher, our finisher today, guys, is a EMOM six of 15 Russian kettlebell swings with a heavy load. And we're performing a set every minute. This is going to be metabolic stress work. And that's, you know, very high volume. It's going to sit right in within the typical ranges or schemes for that style of work. It's going to give people the feeling of, oh, I did more work because I didn't rest as much. And, you know, the sets were very frequent. And then on top of it, too, you do get the element of having some high in, higher intensity anaerobic style work done for a very short bout of time. So, you know, again, you don't have to do that every day. I think it's something that breaks it up and it certainly has a good training effect. But I think that we need to consider the psychology first. And I think if you're bringing on people that are coming from the CrossFit world, which I have a lot of people that came from that world. And when I initially start with them, you know, two things I usually do is I utilize finishers, number one, because they're they're already of the mindset that they have to do a Metcon after every strength session, which again, is has a whole lot of issues. And it's, you know, one of those things that I want to kind of crack down on and, and make sure that they're understanding that they don't have to train that way to see results. So this is kind of a way to ease them in to that style of programming. So we utilize some type of finisher. And eventually, maybe I don't even call it a finisher anymore. Maybe it's just we're ending with Russian kettlebell swings for an EMOM six. So that's one consideration, one thing that you can utilize. Now, when you are utilizing finishers, if you are doing them on an anaerobic style day, then you want to keep them short, less than 10 minutes, anything over 10 minutes. And I would even go as far as saying anything over seven minutes, depending on how it's structured with your work to rest, will rely more on the aerobic system versus anaerobic system. So we want to keep the energy sources in alignment for that session. Second thing is, is that, you know, we can utilize them strategically for metabolic stress. If you wanted to, if you're using 612.25, then 612.25 would be a finisher on its own. I would start off the day with a main lift. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a rack deadlift. And then we do a quadriceps emphasized 612.25. And that's basically it. You're not gonna be able to do a whole lot more from that. And that's why a lot of people like that method, because it gives them the feeling of doing more. It's brutal and it does have a very specific role in terms of, uh, you know, getting some, improving some lagging muscle groups or maybe adding some, some additional size to a lagging muscle group. And again, all well and good works tremendously, but with everything that works well, you know, there is a question of how long will it work for? And that's a method that I don't use for more than six weeks at a time, not only because it's very demanding, but also because after six weeks, you use 612.25, let's say twice a week for six weeks. After that, you're probably going to need a break from it. And um, that's what I found to be the case is that after six weeks, it's kind of like, all right, enough is enough. I just want to do a regular training session. And then, you know, I circle back to that somewhere down the road. You know, maybe it's uh, before summer and I'm trying to get leaner or I'm trying to get my clients leaner. That's something that we can certainly plug in there and have work very well. So long story short, how are we going to utilize finishers? Well, number one is that it should align with what we're doing on any given day. In the article, I've given you some more examples. Feel free to check that out. A high CNS strength day, use a finisher, keep it as an anaerobic finisher. Don't do a 20 minute AMRAP. Number two, you can program it in a variety of ways. But in this case, if we want to stay more anaerobic, you would like to use something that's more global in nature, like a thruster or a front squat, 
you could, I hate to use the word burpee, but I do still program burpees, believe it or not. I use the no push-up variation, which is less extension of the lumbar spine. I find it to be more user-friendly, still it has the global nature and it, it elicits a pretty big spike in heart rate. So it's a nice one to use at the right time. You could use that stuff in there. You could use a sled push sprint or a heavy, heavy loaded carry, like a trap bar carry, or you could go the route of using something like a cyclical piece, like an air bike. The echo bike is tremendous for anaerobic development. Key caveat to that, and this is probably something we could get into another day as its own show, is who are you utilizing the finisher with? Something like an air bike. If I had a soccer mom that's not very strong and she wanted to do some type of anaerobic work, first question I would ask is, well, why? And then the second question I'd ask, well, you know, is it the right fit for her? And if she's not very strong, doesn't have, you know, decent absolute strength, probably not going to be a good fit for that person. Now, in choosing the right exercise, your exercise selection for finishers, that's a key component to this. And again, we could go down the rabbit hole. This would be a lot longer than a 20 minute show, but we want to make sure that the choice, the exercise selection aligns with the person. So I'm giving you some basic ideas, but think about who you're using it with, what's their training age, what's their training background, you know, what type of, of, of individual are we looking at here? If we're going to use an air bike, it's got to be the right person. Big, strong guys, air bike is a great option. The only thing is you got to make sure that the rest interval is in alignment so they can duplicate that work. Or this is my last thing I just thought of right now as I'm saying this out loud. You could use the air bike as a test at the end of that session. Maybe it's 60 second max cals, which is miserable for a guy that's strong and has good absolute strength. That's going to just totally... 60 seconds, you, you're going to get more work done in 60 seconds than, than most people do in an entire week. So that's something to consider as well. Get creative with it, but know that finishers should facilitate the goals of the session. They shouldn't hinder the, the goals of the session. And the question also to ask is why are you using it? Is it just for psychology, just to make someone feel like they did more? Or is there a real specific reason that you might be using it for someone? Maybe it revolves around the type of goals or the type of career they have, the type of job where maybe it's uh, something that they need to have in their programming to get them to where they need to be in terms of more specificity. So anyways, guys, hope all that helps. I love doing finishers, but I don't utilize them every day. That's kind of the, the short end of it. I would recommend checking out all of those uh, nuances to it because when you start programming it this way, I think you're going to see things will go a lot better. You're going to get more from the programming and then you're not going to feel as run down by utilizing finishers. And if you're feeling run down by utilizing finishers, then you're doing it wrong. This was another episode of Strong AF X Well Condition Show. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. 